to be with you this morning. There's so many things that are happening, Lord, and I feel even in this moment that it's hard to focus. And so, God, I would ask that you would take us, give us a moment to take a deep breath and to remember that you are the one uh, that's worth our, our praise and our worship, but you're the one we're following in our lives, in our jobs, with our families, when we come to church, when we go out with friends, you're, we're following you. Thank you for being a God who walks with us, who guides us, who directs us, even though we make mistake after mistake after mistake. Jesus, thank you for this place and thank you for these people. In your name, amen. I don't know about you guys, but I want a real church. I want a real, transparent, honest group of people that call themselves a church. I want a church that has honest and broken people that are being transformed. And I want a church that isn't afraid to explore our differences. And today we get to talk about community. And we've been going through this series called Transformation. And, and I have to tell you, this is like the, the values that we have and the vision statement we have at Grace Chapel, I feel are like my children. <laughs> and, and, and I know we're not supposed to have favorites. We're not supposed to have favorite children, but I kind of do. It's community. I love it. It's the way God knit me together. It's the way I've been built. I love seeing community be developed I love being a part of a community. I love seeing people that get connected into community. And I love, love, love this community we have here at Grace Chapel. One of the goals that we have when we talk about our vision statement and our values and all the things that we have going on, one of our goals is to be known, valued, and loved. And we talk about this in context with life groups, but it's really a goal across the board. We want people that are a part of this church me and my family included, to be known, valued, and loved. And when we think about transformation and what God is doing in this place through his gospel, I want you to be known, valued, and loved. I want to fate, fight fakeness. I knew I was going to say that backwards. I want to fight fakeness. I don't want to be a place where we have to put on a mask. I don't want to be a place where we have to act like we have all the right ideas and we've figured out all the right things to do. And I want to be the kind of pastor that can stand up here and say, hey guys, I messed up. I thought we were going to do this. We're not going to do that anymore. We're going to do this. I want to be transparent with you and I want to set, this, set the stage or set the example to be transparent. I don't want to be fake. And, and God has kind of given me a little bit of a handicap. I'll give you a clue. If you invite me to your poker night you will win, <laughs> okay, just say it, because I can't hide it. I get excited about things, and I can't hide it. I get down or frustrated about things, and I can't hide it. It just comes out of me. I want you to be known, valued, and loved. I want to be known, valued, and loved, and that's what this sermon is about, transformational community. I want to read to you a passage that I think reflects our vision statement in, in, con in the context of community. This is 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. We're going to put the words up on the screen so you can read along or you can follow along in your Bible. And, it, and if you don't have a Bible, please let me know. I will buy you three of your choosing. Listen, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10. Peter says, but you, Grace Chapel, 
of Clifton Park in New York are a chosen people. You're chosen. He picked you. He handpicked you. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We talk about this transformative community. This transformative community, it's all about connection. It's all about being connected. And if you're not connected, it's all about these different ways that we're trying to get you connected. Get connected. Get to know people. Known, valued, and loved. I'll, I'll scream it from the rooftops. But I want to talk for a minute about what connects us. The transformative community isn't connected because we're all the same. And that is probably way more profound right now than it's been for the last 20 years. Sameness is tearing our country apart, if you haven't noticed. Everyone has to agree, and if, and if we can't agree, then we just can't be connected. That's not what connects God's transformative community, and I don't want it to connect Grace Chapel. It's not that we're the same. It's not that we think the same, we act the same, we look the same, we, we worship the same. It's not about sameness that connects us. It's connected by its creator. And I've talked about it the whole series, and I'll keep talking about it. Its creator gave us the transformative gospel of Jesus, which is that Jesus died, he, he lived, he died, he rose again all, all for us. That's the thing that connects us. I don't want you to come here and participate in everything we're doing because everything I say you agree with. <laughs> Or everything we do, you think is the best thing to do. I want you connected because you're answering the call that God has placed you here in the name of Jesus. The truth is, is he chose us. He chose us. God Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one that calls himself the great I am, chose us to be here. He chose you, and maybe we focus a little bit too much in our society and even in our Christian culture that he chose you instead of he chose us. And this is what I love about this passage. Peter is saying, guys, yes, you are individually chosen, and yes, he loves you individually, and he adores you, and he put you together in a unique way. But part of the reason he did that is so that you could fit into something bigger, and in that bigger thing, we can celebrate the diversity of God's creation, us. He chose us to be the body. He chose us. And because he chose us, we're his children. And this is a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing, that I am son of the living God. And that's what he made me. He made me his son, and he made you his sons and daughters. And that's how we, this is our family. We're all in this together. We are children of the king. And you're a child of the king. And again, sometimes it overshadows the fact that we are children of the king. This is, this is his family. 
And then the question is, is why? Why are we his family? Why are we holy? Peter calls us a holy priesthood. Why are we holy? I think a lot of people think we're holy because we kind of do things similarly. We've got, we've got like this ability to put on a mask and act like we've made all the right choices in life. And then we leave church and we go home and our choices are, are exposed that we don't have all the answers and we haven't figured all this out and we have a dirty laundry that nobody at church should see. <laughs> you see, we are not holy because we somehow have learned information from the Bible that has produced this pure life. We're not holy because, you know, we've, we've deduced all these decisions down to a, a philosophy or a perspective. It's not why we're holy. We're holy because Jesus died for us. And newsflash, he didn't die for you because you have figured anything out. In fact, he died for you because you couldn't figure it out. So the first thing to write down in your bulletin, number one, the transformative community is marked by God's power and God's purpose. And we are marked, and it says this in Ephesians 1.13. We are marked by him, but the problem is, is we cover the mark up. And out there in the world, we're somewhat ashamed of our mark. And so we, we put a little makeup on it, or, or we put on an overcoat, and we cover up this mark. The thing is, the truth is, is we're marked by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit marks us because God knew we would forget. God knew that we would forget that we are marked, that we are his children. So he has branded us. He has marked us children of the Most High. Whoever would have thought that a family of royalty would be ashamed of being royal? <laughs> but we are sometimes. We're marked, but it isn't so that we can sit in our leaving rooms and feel comfortable about the mark, which I think sometimes I do. I, I'm, wow, you know, I'm, I'm chosen by God, and I love that, and that makes me feel so special inside, and, and that's great. <laughs> But that's not why we were marked either. He, he didn't mark us so that we could feel comfortable. I don't know if that ruffles your feathers, but he didn't mark us so we could be comfortable. He marked us so that we could worship him. He marked us in a special way so we could receive his love. And while we receive his love, we know that it's not because we deserve his love. That's what the mark is for. It's our inheritance that God has given us. So we can't cover up the birthmark. It reminds us of who we are. We have to show off our birthmark. Yes, I'm a son of God. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud of it not because I've done it. I'm not proud of it because I've made all the right choices. I'm proud of it because he chose me. So again, the transformative community is marked by God's power and purpose. This transformative community loves light. It loves to walk in the light. And we remember his gospel. When we remember his gospel, I'm going to say it over and over and over. His gospel is that Jesus came, that Jesus died, and that Jesus beat death for us. We remember his gospel, who God is, what he did in Jesus, and who we are because of it. When we think about that, when you let that soak into your heart that this God chose you and died for you so that you could receive his love, we can't help but worship him. We worship, and we love the light 
We love the light, but our habits don't. We love the light, but our old selves, the old men and women, don't. Butterflies love the light, but caterpillars don't. And we have to say this, sometimes butterflies think they're caterpillars. And they don't like living in the light. But if you find yourself wanting to hide in the darkness, and I do sometimes, if you find yourself believing lies about yourself, that you're not worthy, that you're not valuable, that what you've done in the past determines who you are, all the mistakes, all the stuff, if you find yourself feeling guilty over something in the past, it's okay. It's okay. You just forgot who you were. You just forgot that you were chosen, that you are God's family. And what a transformative community does is say, come on, come on back to the light. It's way better in the light. The transformative community puts their arms around you, assures you that you are loved, that you were made to be loved, and helps you back into the light. It's what gives the community strength. And and for the most part, we all forget and we all jump into the darkness at different times so there's other people that can go, no, that can remind us to get back into the light. The truth is, in the light, it's so much easier to love each other. It's so much easier to love you when I know exactly who you are. Everything, all your stuff, all the bad choices, all the good choices, the things that make you insecure, the things that make you secure, all of it. When I know that, I can love you so much deeper. And when you know that about me, you can really, really love me. And when a friend pulls us back into the light, or a community pulls us back into the light, we can turn and we can remember who we are and we can worship God for it. Number two in your bulletin, the transformative community was chosen to worship. It's chosen to worship because of the gospel. If you're asking yourself, why was I chosen? What makes me special? And I get this wrong, just not ragging on myself, but I get this wrong a lot. I forget why I was chosen. I think I was born into it. I think it's because it's the way I look. I think it's because I feel a certain way. I think it's because it has something to do with the things that I choose. But it's not. It's because of the gospel. And if we forget that that's why we were chosen... It starts to go to our head, and we start to think that we're more important than we are, and we start to think that this is somehow about the response that I've made, the decisions that I've made in my life, and that's why God has chosen me. It's not why. The transformative community was chosen to worship because of the gospel. You cannot forget about the gospel. It reminds us of why God saved us. And so you might be going, okay, okay, I got it, I got it. How do I worship then? Do I have to come here on Sunday morning? We have to hear a certain set of songs, raise my hand during the courses. What do I do to worship? What does worship really look like? And and Matt and I talk about this all the time. What we do here on Sunday morning is just just an aroma. It's, It's just a thing that helps us remember to worship. 
It's worship in and of itself. Music, singing praises to God is worship. But it's so much bigger than that. We sing. We serve. We choose to assume the positive of people. Oh, that is a beautiful way to worship God. That person just said that, and it really hurts my heart. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to assume he didn't mean it. <laughs> I'm going to assume that he loves me the way God loves me. And I'm just going to assume that he didn't mean that, and we can keep going. That is a wonderful way to worship God. We forgive each other. Really, true forgiveness. We give grace when it's needed. We respond. That's worship. We're not harsh with one another, but we're gentle with one another. That's worship. Romans 12 talks about this. 12, 1 and 2, on to 3. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And before you think, oh man, that sounds like so much work, it's the naturalest thing in the world just to say, God, here I am. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to act, but I give you me. Paul says that is the kind of worship that God loves. Offering yourself as a living, walking, talking, acting sacrifice. So to repeat, the transformative community was chosen to worship because of the gospel. This next one is, is, is near and dear to my heart. The transformative community remembers mercy. We have mercy in our DNA. We have grace in our DNA. And a lot of times I think we forget that that's part of who we are. And just like we were in darkness and we've been called out of the darkness into the light, we, we, before we knew mercy and when we stepped into the light and became the family of God, God adopted us into his family, he showed us mercy. He showed us mercy and we, when we accepted the Lord as, as our Savior. And we're ushered in and we're adopted into this new family. And it's only natural for a transformative community to extend the same thing that was extended to it. Right? The problem is, is how quickly we forget. How quickly we forget that the reason that we're sitting here, the reason that we are benefiting from the kingdom and are worshiping God is because he gave us mercy. And it's a sad thing that the world looks at the church, capital C, and doesn't see mercy. It sees judgment. It sees a list of rules, right? This is why we have to be excited about visitors. And I'm sorry if you're visiting this morning. i got to talk about you for just a minute like you're not here. I'm really sorry. We love you. We really do lovely, love you. And, and I'm sorry if it's awkward. But, but listen. Life group facilitators, if you're a life group facilitator, this is for you. We need to make room for new people. And you go, oh, but, I, but if I do that, I mean, my living room is only so big, and, and I have this, like, we have this vibe going on, you know, people are sharing and talking, and, and that's good. And if we bring a new somebody into our group, they may not feel as open. And, and man, I get it. <laughs> I've been in those groups. I've led those groups. I have been the newcomer in those groups. But you have to remember the mercy that was extended you. So, even though it's a little uncomfortable, have an open seat. Be ready. For when somebody comes into Grace Chapel and says, oh, life groups, I, I want to be known, valued, and loved. How can I be known, valued, and loved? And I say, hey, go talk to this facilitator. Be ready. Be ready. So you can go, listen, we got this great group. We got a good vibe going on. Come on. You're welcome. 
Because you remember one time you were that person. And when we don't respond to a visitor, somebody walks in here that's new, and we don't respond the way that we were responded to, we start to atrophy. As a church, we start to crumble a little bit. And 30 years can go by and you go, what happened? <laughs> what happened? Where did all the people go? We have to remember, we were new once. We were new to life groups once. We have to understand that we need to extend the same things that were extended to us. So that's why number three in your bulletin is a transformative community thrives when it extends mercy. It thrives when it extends mercy. You might say, well, what does mercy look like? Josh is talking about new people coming in and us welcoming, and that's great, and we can call that mercy if you want, but what else is mercy? Have you ever really, really messed up? Have you ever really made a bad decision? Maybe somebody knows about the decision. Maybe nobody, nobody knows about the decision. But have you messed up and someone forgave you? We see this in marriage all the time. Like it's, it's almost impossible to not mess up in my life right now and my wife not to know about it. <laughs> almost impossible. She knows everything. She knows all my screw-ups. The big ones and the roll-your-eyes, oops ones. She does it, do it perfectly. She's working with the kids, so I can say this. She doesn't do it perfectly, but she forgives me. <laughs> and she says, Josh, you really screwed up, buddy. <laughs> You're lucky. I love you. That's mercy. Come in here. You say something. Somebody hurts your feelings. Somebody doesn't want to do the thing that you want them to do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You got to forgive them. You got to extend mercy. Have you ever had someone just for a minute try to walk a mile in your shoes to see what you feel like? And I have, I have these friends in my life now, and, and, and they sit with me and they go, how you doing? And if I say fine, they're liable to slam their fists on the table and say, I'm not wasting time. How are you really doing? How's your wife? How's your kids? When was the last time you yelled at her? What was the fight about? Those kind of friends. They're not going to put up with fakeness. They're going to want to extend mercy to me because that's where we all come from. That's the kind of environment that I want in this place. The kind of people that don't put up with fakeness because they've already laid out all their laundry. Might as well see it. Might as well see yours too. Have you ever asked your question, what's it like to be new at Grace Chapel? Maybe you are new this morning and you're like, I could answer that. What is it like if you've been coming here for more than a year, let's say? If you've been coming here for more than a year, what's it like to be new? Ask yourself that question. I, I drive into the parking lot. The grounds look amazing. Where's John at? John's doing a great job. I don't think he's here this morning. I walk in the front door. Who says hi? After I leave the front door, who says hi again? <laughs> What do I do? How do I go? Where's the bathroom? What does the place look like? What does the place smell like? How are the faces of the people that are greeting me? Are they happy to see me? Are they confused to see me? Are they looking down on my shoes because they don't know what to say? What is it like? What's it like to be new here? we got to ask ourselves this question if we want to extend mercy. 
What's it new to, what's it like to be new in your life group? Knock on the door, hi, can I come in? My dogs will probably be barking, but it's because they want to lick you, not because they want to bite you. What's it like to be new in your life group? What's it like to meet us, the people that have been coming here for more than a year, for the first time? How warm are we? How welcoming are we? How much do we care? We were extended mercy and grace and love, and we were welcomed into this church at one point. We have to turn and, and do the same thing. Give the same mercies that we were extended. And guys, we don't do this because we want to grow as a church. Although that's true. We want to grow. We don't do these sorts of things. This isn't a strategy so that we can get more people connected. Although that is true. We do this because it was done to us. We do this because it was done to us. Not only from the Father and the Son, but to people that were here at one point. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'll say it anyway. You guys threw me a party. And it was awesome. And I walked into these halls for the first time, and people said, welcome. It was awesome. I loved it. I'm never going to forget it. You guys gave me a basket of stuff, and I'm like going through like gift cards. This is great. I don't think I paid for a dinner in like a three months. So generous. That's the kind of mercy. That's the kind of mercy. To repeat myself, transformative community thrives when it extends mercy. And here's one. This is the last one. This is four. The transformative community isn't satisfied. And this one might upset you a little bit. And what I mean by that, I want to be really, really clear, because you could misinterpret me. The transformative community isn't satisfied with how things have been done. The transformative community celebrates what's been done, respects and admires what's been done. And it remembers fondly the past. I love hearing, hey, you remember that one time when stories start out like that? I love it. Tell stories. Love the past, but we have to let the past be the past. And I'll tell you, if we are going to let the past serve us as we continue, we have to let it be the past. Because so many times we want to take the past, all the fun stuff about the past, not the bad stuff, but the fun stuff, and we want to make that the now. We want to make that the present. And we get so excited about all the fun stuff that we've done and how the fun stuff that we're doing, we go, okay, we're going to do this in the future. <laughs> you see the problem? And we start to do the same thing over and over and over. And we linger too long. And if we linger too long, we begin to wish the present was the past. And when we do that, you guys, it's so dangerous. It's dangerous. So I don't want to not be satisfied because something was done wrong. I want to be not satisfied because it's the past. It's not now and it's not the future. Listen to this. Hebrews. I'm going to put the slides up on there. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. <laughs> struggling with the same stuff we're struggling with today. But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And the day the author is referring to 
is when the bridegroom comes back and says, where's my bride? Man, I've missed her. Where is she? Tell me how she's doing. Did she do well? Was she working hard? Did she forget about me? The day is coming when the bridegroom, Jesus, will come back and he's going to collect us all. And it's going to be a wonderful day. But we have to spur on one another toward love and good deeds. We can't be satisfied. A transformative community looks to the future and does not dwell on the past. A transformative community is never satisfied with the status quo. Man, I love that. We, how we have done and how we are doing is never good enough. And you're sitting in your seat going, oh my gosh, I'm like dizzying from all the work that has to be done. I'm exhausted. I've been working so much just trying to keep what we have going. And I know, I know there's a handful of you in the, in, in the, the audience that are literally thinking that. And I would say this. If that's you, you're probably working on the wrong things. I'm sorry. I love what you're doing. But you might be working on the wrong things if you're exhausted and you cannot see God in it. We need to talk about your job description. We need to talk about doing the right things. A community that is fine with it. A community that is completely satisfied with how it is or even was. I'm going to say it. It's a dying community. A community that is okay with these things isn't transformative. It's a country club. It's a clique. And it thinks pretty highly of itself. And this type of community has forgotten the mercy that was extended to it. It has forgotten all about the light that it has been called into. It's forgotten all about what it feels like to be new. And this kind of community is not being transformed. It's, it's atrophying. And I'm here to tell you guys, I love you. Mm, I love you. But ah, this is not me. I'm never going to be satisfied. And I really pray that God gives me the courage to be graceful and show you mercy as we move forward. But I'm never going to be satisfied. And I don't care if there's 50 people in this room or there's 5,000 people in this room, which would be a miracle because it only seats 400. But I'm just saying, I would not be okay with either one of those numbers. Because we need to spur on each other towards love and good work. The church that Peter's writing to is loving and doing good works, but he's spurring them on further. We can always do better, and I believe that we can always get better at how we treat people, how we show mercy to people, how we respond to different and diverse individuals, how we welcome new people. We can always get better at it. So number four, I believe that a transformative community challenges itself to better love and serve those around it. We need to talk about how we challenge, because we don't challenge each other with whips, right? We don't, we don't insult each other and make each other feel bad about how to do better. We need to look at, at what love looks like, because love isn't a smack upside the back of the head. It's a gentle nudge, maybe a firm one, but a gentle one. We need to talk about what serving looks like. And this is not we just need to work harder, like I said earlier. That's not what I'm saying. We've been killing ourselves working sometimes on the wrong things. 
And I go talk to somebody and they're going, man, I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm like, well, what have you been doing? And they're like, well, you know, I've been, I've been moving chairs around or something, right? And you're like, oh, you're doing the wrong stuff. <laughs> That's why. Put that energy into something you're called to and you're passionate about and you're going you're gonna to just blossom. And this place will benefit from it. So if that's you, if you're sitting here exhausted, come talk to me. We'll figure it out together. To repeat myself, the transformative community challenges itself to better love and serve those around us. And this is the truth this morning. This whole thing we're talking about, this, this transformative community idea, it incites real connection and powerful love only when it remembers the gospel. We could be really good at welcoming people. We could be really good at starting new life groups and bringing people into our existing life groups. We'd be really good at all that stuff. But if we think for a minute it's because we deserve it, we've lost it. It's about the gospel. It's about Jesus dying for you because you don't deserve it. This is the only way to be truly known, valued, and loved. Have you thought about what those words mean? What does it mean for Josh to be known. What are my dreams? What are my hopes? What are my aspirations? What are the things, my dreams that are so deep I haven't told anybody yet? That's what being known is. What's being valued? It's not being agreed with. That's not what we're talking about. Trust me. Being valued is when you're known deeply and, every, and, you, and people understand who the depth of you is. And being able to say, man, you've got a lot of stuff to work on. But being able to say, you're valued, we appreciate you. You might send an email complaint every other day, but we appreciate you. We value you. And we can't value people if we don't know them, right? And then the third one of those, known, valued, and loved. Do you know why it's so hard to ask someone out on a date? Have you thought about this? The last person I asked on a date, I had a pretty good track record with, she said yes. 18 years ago this December, she said, sure, I'll go out with you. What do you want to do? And I went, uh. Why is it so hard to ask someone out on a date? If you remember what it was like, it's tough to put yourself out there. It's really hard to say, hey, beautiful woman who has no business talking to me or even looking at me, I kind of like you. I hope you like me too. So not cool the way I did it, you guys. It was so not cool. Not hip, not confident at all. I was like, put myself out there. And she scooped it up and she was like, yeah, I think I feel the same way. Let's try it. This is what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to put yourself out there. Because there's no guarantee when you, when you extend mercy and when you step into the light and when you're vulnerable and honest that people are going to go, that people aren't going to go, wow, that dude's crazy. <laughs> And then walk away, right? It's so hard to come in here as a new person. It's hard to come in anywhere as a new person because you're putting yourself out there. Okay, I'm going to try this. I don't know what these crazy wackos are going to tell me to do, but I'm going to try it. So what's our response to that? I really hope it was Jen's response. You can all ask her how I asked her and what she said. It was not pretty and was not smooth. But she said yes. That's what I'm asking us to do. we got to put ourselves out there for each other. And I'm praying and hoping that when you do, the person you have put yourself out for 
is going to return the favor. And suddenly, that known, valued, and loved thing is going to come together. All right, I'm going, to rec- I'm going to repeat these things. Number one, the transformative community is marked by power and purpose. Right? Okay, we're on. Transformative community number two was chosen to worship because of the gospel. Number three, the transformative community thrives when it extends mercy. And the transformative community challenges itself to better love and serve those around us. Transformative community incites real connection. It's not fake. You don't put up masks here. And I'm sorry if you've taken your mask down and you've been punished for it. I'm so sorry. But if you don't do this, this church is going to atrophy. It's going to start coming apart. It's going to start crumbling. This is what we have to do to move forward. If you realize that this is possible, nothing will deter you. There's 15 people in the back right now with stupid cowboy hats on and handkerchiefs on because they believe in what we're doing. I picked up the phone and I said, Hi, this is going to be crazy. Do you have any cowboy boots? And they said, yeah, I'll put them on. I'll act crazy for kids if that helps them understand Jesus, if that helps them extend the life of this church as we invest into the future. Sure, I'll do it. If you believe this is possible, you will stop at nothing. You're going to come back again and again and again. It doesn't even matter what we're doing. The doors are open. You come in because you believe. You believe that this place can be a real, transparent, transformative community. Nothing's going to stop you from pitching the vision. It doesn't matter if a person goes to another church or will never ever go to a church or, or if the person even knows what church is, you're like, man, you've got to check this place out. You could, you could be known, valued, and loved there. Not perfectly, we're working on it, but, but that's what we can do. Nothing can stop you from believing that we can all be known, valued, and loved. And that's why I'm here. That's why I moved across the country. That's why I'm standing up here yelling at you like a crazy person. It's because I believe. So this is what we do about it. We get into a life group, and we do it yesterday. We do it yesterday. You can sign up in the back. And when you get in one, you can't be all judgy. Oh, these people are weird. They don't understand me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You got to give it time. If you don't feel known, valued, and loved in a life group, chances are the people around you don't either. So you got to extend them that mercy. Put your feelings aside for a while, and you'll be surprised at what happens. And then that, the last thing that we get to do this morning, this is action, is we get to take communion. And I cannot think of a better way to say, I believe that we could be a community that is known, valued, and loved by doing this. And if you've never done it before, don't worry, it's not all weird. It's a symbol. And it's a communal symbol. If you've never thought about it that way, think about it. It's, it's Jesus saying, this is my body and blood for you. Eat it and drink it. That sounds weird, I know. But what he's saying is, I want you to be part of me. And I want to be part of you. And as we as a body take communion together, we're saying, we're going to be part of this together. We're going to be in this. We're invested in this. Jesus did it with his life. That's how much he cared about it. And all of his disciples gave their life up except John, but he gave it up in a different way. They gave it up for this. 
So this is the way we're going to do it. If you've never been here before, it's not weird, I promise. I'm going to read a passage. I'm going to say a prayer. And then when you're ready, after you spend a few minutes thinking about this, we got all the time in the world. Spend a little bit of time thinking about a God that created the universe who died for you so that you could come alive, so that you could be part of a community that's trying to figure it out together. And when you're ready, come up and take the bread and the juice. Here's the passage. This is 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26. It's the same one I read every time, but it's so special. Paul says, for I have received from the Lord what I've passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm doing this for you, so take it when you remember me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When we take this and we participate in this, we're saying our bride is coming, our bridegroom is coming back. And I can't wait to see him face to face. Because he died for me and he's alive for me. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Lord, and, and, and maybe we don't even know you that well. We love you. We love you because you first loved us. And God, I ask that as we move into this time of communion, that you would give us the courage, the grit, to extend the same mercy that was extended to us. And Lord, to imagine you walking among us, sacrificing yourself on the cross for us, so that 2,000 years from then, we could have this. God, you didn't do that so we could put on a mask and come to church and tell everybody it's fine. You did that so that we could be real. You did that so we could be known, we could be valued, and we could be loved, and that we could walk side by side with people who maybe don't quite get that, and we can show it to them. So I ask, Lord, from this day on that this place would be a little different each day. That we would inspire and encourage each other to love more because of what this communion represents. We could extend a little more mercy and a little more grace when people don't agree with us. That we would remember your sacrifice when things get hard. God, Jesus, we love you. We thank you for dying for us. And Lord, if there's anybody in the room that's never done this or isn't sure what it looks like to trust you, oh God, move them to talk to me or talk to someone or just talk to you. We love you, Lord.